Hi, everyone. If you've been enjoying our episodes, please consider supporting us. For as little as 99 cents a month, you'll be helping us create more of the content you love to listen to. Click the link located in every episode description to send your contribution. We are truly grateful. Hey friend, how are you feeling today? Oh Coco, I'm feeling anxious, really anxious, uh, feeling excited. My head kind of hurts. I don't really even know why that hurts. I mean, it's not that I used my head at all today. Um, my corn pad is slipping because I put it on my toe after I banged into a piece of furniture, because that's the worst. I hear that banging your toe against the chair is probably worse than being punched in the face. You know, and I'm having such an itch right now. I don't know what the problem is. You know, and no one online on Doc MV or any You're listening to How You Feeling with Coco and friends. Are you ready to get real, Fran? Always am. Are you? So what's new? Nothing. No, you can leave it open. You can leave the door open. Okay. Yeah, we're recording, but it's fine. Leave the door open. Hi, Jen. Is it Jen? No, today no, it's Karen. Karen's different woman today. Oh, hi, Karen. <laughs> hi, how are you? You're so good. <laughs> we have a show to do. Yeah, and um, I'm Lucy. Um, so she's multiple personality. <laughs> I want to be in the show. <laughs> um, so yes. Um, there has been so much friend stuff happening in my life and your life. Oh yes. I mean, we've got so much friend stuff. Not necessarily. Anything? Not necessarily content, but. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Because here's I mean, the, technically, here's... theoretically, sorry to cut you off. My friend's story, I could technically talk about it. Oh, I'll talk about mine too. All right. Well, however you want to go. Now everybody's like, what are you doing? Are you going to go? You know, we always talk about the challenging relationships we have with people. Now, here's the irony of all of this. I don't know if it's ironic. I have to check in with Alanis Morissette, but I just have to say, here is the irony of all of this. You and I both share stories about people we know. You and I right now are hesitant to share those stories because we don't want to air our grievances. But here's the funny thing. Neither one of them listened to the show. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I don't have a problem airing the grievances because I know for a fact that my friend doesn't listen. And here's what you got to know about me in case you don't already know this. If you're my friend and you do some dumb shit, I may very well talk about you on this show, even if you listen. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure some of my close friends and I mean like Chris knows that I'll talk about stuff that we experience and my sisters to a certain extent and whatnot and right but see here's the thing the only thing that I promise you is that when I do talk about my friends especially when they do crazy stuff I am not going to use their name 
No. But I think that I can certainly, certainly share. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Coach. Yes. Okay, I want you to just answer honestly when I ask you these questions. All right. Okay, I want you to be completely unbiased. Do you have questions? I do. Written down? No. Oh, okay. What is a school? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. So, all right. Technically, when someone is planning an event, okay, I want to ask you what your idea of proper courtesy and etiquette entails with save the date, RSVP, and then, yeah, invite RSVP, and then I don't know what the next step is, showing up to the party, I guess, but Okay, so what Pertinent information, yeah. Yes. What what do you think the timeline is between all of those steps in inviting individuals to an event? Well, I think at a minimum a month personally. And we're just talking about your regular kind of like if you're putting together a a decent party or event mm -hmm. i would say minimum a month okay so a month from the invite yes okay because what i'm reading online is that save the dates typically go out at least a month go no excuse me go out more than a month so they're typically because you're right on the money the invitation for the party should go out a month before the date of the party yeah like everyone should have the invite in their hand at least a month prior now the way people do everything like virtual now there's no excuse you can yeah. get an invite somebody right away i also think it depends on the event like weddings first of all that's a huge thing and most most venues require a head count months in advance that's why they people do send a save the date months in advance and then say that please rsvp by this date and that date is usually at least a couple of months before mm -hmm. the wedding mm -hmm. so weddings is one thing yes you need to have ample time leading up to this event when we're talking about and i don't know if you're going to discuss it or not but a, a, a birthday party that's something that you know I mean, two months, is that too much? Maybe, maybe it's perfect, mm -hmm. but I think that I think a minimum a month should be, should be given, mm -hmm. okay? And then as far as information included with that, whether mm -hmm. it's a save the date or not, I think you need to have as much information in that invitation as possible, mm -hmm. i.e., date, time, location. And in, in the world that we're living in right now with COVID, there should be some indication as to whether or not they're taking any steps to mm -hmm. protect mm -hmm. or put their guests at ease. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> here's what's funny. Now, this will apply to parties in general, 
Um, but here's the thing. The reason why I'm bringing this up, just not to sound too Cody for our listeners, we're not trying to be giving people a code. I'll just explain why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine is having a birthday party. This is what I'm going to first read you the etiquette and then I'm going to tell you what they did. Okay. So save the day etiquette, regardless of the event. They say here, when it's a wedding, it's six to eight months prior to the ceremony. But when it's something that isn't as, like you said, headcount required, it doesn't require like huge whatever, they're saying two months. Okay. So a save the date should go out anywhere between <clears throat> um, six, six to eight weeks from the date of the party. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of getting it you know, maybe two weeks before you get the invite, you'll get the save the date. And then when the invite gets there, according to this, the invite is four weeks from the date of the party. Yeah. But what they recommend, even if it's a birthday party, even if it's a birthday party, (laughs) they recommend, they recommend that you give your guests an extra week. So now that says five weeks. Okay. Okay. So this is what my friend did. My friend sent out a text, save the date. Okay. For a party that was happening in less than three weeks. Okay. And then the invitation did not come out to us until a week before the party. So the invitation itself. Now, here's the thing about the save the date. The save the date didn't even tell us where, what, or how it was. So it was basically like save the date. We could have all been, we all could have been like required to come up with a thousand dollars each. Who knows? Yeah, it was so, it's so ambiguous. So some people don't know how to adult. And I, I want to add to your story so the listeners know a little bit more. I was also given this invitation as well. Mm-hmm. Two, two weeks, not even, two, like two weeks before the party. And you knowing, were, knowing you that- were given, You were given the save the date. The actual yeah. invite didn't go out until Saturday. Yeah, and I'm- nowhere near where they live i'm in another country so that's another um thing that was not considered like you said if people don't know what they're getting into what what needs to be done to to get there to whatever Mm -hmm. like i don't have the luxury to just to just hop on in a car or hop on a flight and come down as quickly as can be no i think i think for a lot of people and you know this is the way i felt i'm going to be completely honest i felt like my time was being disrespected Mm -hmm. you know it was almost like you know me you've known me for years i don't make it a secret yeah and if you want to make a plan with me you've got to make a plan with me yeah and you know it's different 
you know, I think the way this was handled was no different than like, hey, want to go see a movie with me next week? It's so true about like the making plans part, just as as an aside. That's probably one of my pet peeves when people, people try to, or they want to see me, but they, and I've provided them with information as to when I'm available or whatnot, but they, they don't make a move to solidify any plans or I'll ask them the question, what days or times work for you? And they come back with any, anything works, any time works. And then we get into this whole back and forth situation where I throw out a date and time that works for me and it ends up not working for them. Like there's no effort being made and it's Mm -hmm. incredibly frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly Mm -hmm. frustrating. So if you want to make, if you want to hang out, if you want to spend time with me, make the plan. Yeah. Or make the effort to make the plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that you and I don't need to have any more friends. Listen, (laughs) it's, it's, it's getting frustrating. It truly is getting frustrating. Like, okay, so I'll tell you my story. I have a friend who is notorious in, in being a terrible communicator. Texting, texting is just, trying to decipher what they mean is incredible. You've told incredible. me you've told me some of the, the the back and forth, and it's like she's writing those text messages with her feet while driving. Uh, it seems like it. <laughs> so um, she was away for a couple of weeks out of mm-hmm. town. So she lives. She doesn't live here in my town anymore. She's about an hour and a half away from me. But she went to go visit her her daughter, and. She texted me, I guess, when uh, Thursday, Friday, something like that this past week, asking if, uh, well, this is her first thing. Do you have any plans on such and such date? And this is the thing that drives me crazy is that they're fishing instead of just coming out and saying, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods xyz Uh or i have this date available would you like to hang out would you like to go for lunch would you like to go for coffee would you like to do something on this date no instead they ask me are you busy at this date and time so i don't know about you but the way i make plans it's A lot of it has to do with obviously my availability. Part of it has to do with how I feel about the situation, you know, and what, what is it that we're getting into? It's hard for me to make a decision. What if I'm not mentally capable of processing what you're, what you want to do? You know, there's just many variables anyway. So she asks me this and um, the first date that she, um, she tossed out, I legitimately had something planned. And, and then I, and then she tossed another date and I, 
assumed that she wanted to come here to my place. And I said, well, Chris is working during the day, so it's not going to be the best thing to have like a social whatever. So she suggested, well, I'm going to be in your area. Why don't we meet for whatever? And I said, sure, let's meet for lunch because I didn't know what time she was going to be in my area. Mm. So whatever, we kind of made loose plans. Nothing was solidified because she still wanted, she still needed to find out more information about what their schedule was when they come into town. I was like, all right. So the day before we were supposed to meet, I sent her a message and I said, listen, I'm not really in the mood to hang out this day. I hope mm. you understand. Let's reschedule it. And, you know, I was, I was honest. I get a message about a half hour later saying, just landed on the ground. Or what was it? Yeah, on the ground, just landed. So, of course, I had to decrypt this message. And I realized, okay, she was on her way back from where she was. She took a, she took a flight in. But that was the only thing she wrote to me no yeah. response to me canceling plans nothing mm -hmm. no i don't know i don't know if this is a case of well there's really nothing more for her to say i mean what can she say mm -hmm. but there was like zero acknowledgement for what i told her mm -hmm. and it's just frustrating like this is not how you communicate with someone no no. So I took your, I'm taking your advice and it was every intention of me doing, like I had every intention of doing this as well. I'm just not going to think about it, care, worry, or reply. Or yeah. meaning like I won't send any additional texts. Of course. So this is what I deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is the way I want to close this story with how I feel about what you told me was, and we're all guilty of it because we all have this friend. I stopped replying to people who don't actively reply to me. So for instance, I look at my phone and there's a random text from someone that I know notoriously will disappear for a few hours before they reply. Mm. So I don't reply to them. Mm. And sometimes what happens is the plans just kind of sink into the, the sunset and they never happen because it's, it's a telltale sign that it is important that I be the person to get the plans going. Mm. So listen, we just we say it all the time on the show. Boundaries are hard. They are. Clearly. They are. But what we do is we make excuses. We constantly make excuses. Oh, well, you know, they tell, oh, well, what are you going to, oh, well, what are you going to do? Come on. Yeah. You got to move on, you know? Yeah, we do. My eyes are wide open about a few people. My thighs are wide open. All right. And on that note, let's go to commercial break. And we're back. <laughs> And we're back. You know what's funny? 
we actually need commercials to have commercial breaks. <laughs> you know what? We have commercials. I mean, listen, we have the possibility of getting some good sponsors. You just have to call those people. You know who they are. I think you and I should just be recording our commercials. You know, like how Howard Stern d- does it, except yeah. we won't actually have real companies. <laughs> well, we've done that before. Yeah. We've actually had a couple of fake companies. I'm, I'm down. Listen, that just, it's, it's on brand for us. Boost. It's on boost, which is a good segue. <laughs> hey, I did a segue. You did. A great segue. Um, so what we uh wanted to talk about today was you know we started with crappy friends but we really wanted to talk about like our world when we were younger dishonesty um things that we did back then that we could certainly justify at that time but now would not be something we would do yeah um i don't know if i would justify what i did <laughs> the things i did but certainly no, but back then there had to be some justification when you did it you Maybe. wouldn't justify it now because no. whenever we do something bad we find a way to justify it, even if it's simple as oh i stole from a job that i worked at because they treated me like crap yeah you know, we find justifications. And for some people listening, they're like, well, that's enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Load up my trunk. Load it, load it. So yeah, we're talking about, um, well, when Fran and I, we were discussing episodes, um, one of the things, and we, it was a side conversation that he and I had about our experience in retail and how both of us are able to kind of see certain characters and how they are and and their attempts to boost. And when we say boost, we mean theft, Mm -hmm. right? And we were talking about how well, at least in my experience, and I'm, I'm going to assume that it's the same for you, that mm-hmm. the reason why I went after shoplifters and was super vigilant uh, when I worked in retail later in life um, about shoplifting mm-hmm. was because I have done it. And I'm going to be 100% transparent and honest about this because I know that I'm not that person anymore. I'm not a thief. I don't steal from work. I don't, I, it's not worth it. You know, when you think about it, mm-hmm. like when I see, when I see people um, do it now, or when I was working at the pharmacy, for example, or I would hear stories of former employees taking money, for example, or trying to take something from the company it's not worth it. What they're, what they're taking is not worth the Mm. being fired, the possible record, so on and so forth. So, so yeah, so I, 
I was reflecting on this. And one of the reasons why I was, I am the way I am with regards to theft is because I used to do that. And I'm not talking about like, I'm a hardcore, you know, criminal or anything like that. It wasn't something that I did on a regular basis, but if it was, if there was an opportunity Uh and, and it was something that, you know, I wanted, I I did it. And And we can get into like the various things if we want to but yeah i did it i mean okay so everyone listening is going to hear us use this term boost and i want to give the origin of the slang of boost and booster yeah you do that and we're also going to talk about oshing because that's part of our history as well that's part of our legacy the booster bag is going to definitely be like something you can't find osh on wikipedia but no that's true that's true that's our term right okay so You all listening might know Boost as Boost Mobile, which is a phone, or Boost the vanilla shake that also comes in chocolate. But then there's another booster, which we are all getting, you know, if you had the vaccine, there's a booster, right? Mm -hmm. So a booster bag is a handmade bag used to shoplift, typically from retail stores, libraries, and other locations employing security detectors. The booster can be an ordinary shopping bag, backpack, pocketed garment, or other inconspicuous, conspicuous, sorry, container who, whose inside is lined with special material. Typically, it's multiple layers of aluminum foil. Why, you may ask? Why? The item placed inside the booster bag will provide electromagnetic shielding with the result that the electronic security tags inside the bag will not be detected by security panels when leaving the store. See, that's another level. That's like, that's criminal. um... Well, people who typically create booster bags are connected to a bigger, broader community of thieves like these are people who wake up every day and circle yes. the, three, the three malls they're going to yeah and have at it you know i listen every single person i know when they were younger took something yeah took something you know in my case there were there were times where i worked in retail when i was younger and i had and i know this is one of those test questions they ask you when you're first starting a retail that like apparently I failed the actual test <laughs> but on, on the on the questionnaire like when they give you that kind of like retail test they'll say is it okay to take something you didn't pay for even if your manager says you can take it mm-hmm. and typically it's like no yeah. nobody should ever tell you to take something yeah. now yeah. If you're working for a family-owned company and the people own the store Mm -hmm. and they say, Coco, you did a really great job. Pick out a sweater. It's yours. That's your Christmas gift from the family. Mm. Whole different story. Yeah. But if a manager who works for a corporation who does not own the store can't tell you to take stuff. And that was me when I was younger. When Mm. I started like one of my first retail jobs, and I won't say the company. But one of the first retail jobs that I worked, I had a manager who like at the end of the night, 
wouldn't be like, oh, have at it. Why don't the store take what you want? But what they would say is, oh, we have this whole bin of damages that we have to process tomorrow. And processing basically meant you had to go through them. You had to document them. And then they got like the paperwork went to the company. So the company could get like reimbursements at the end of the year when they did their taxes. Yeah. But yeah. the actual product would be put in this like bag that got sent to charities. They got donated. Okay. And to avoid all that work that was expected of us to do, the bosses, quote unquote, the managers and stuff would tell us as employees, go through that box. I don't see anything. I don't know anything, Mm. you know, and most times there wasn't anything great in those boxes. Yeah. You know, Um, then I also worked for companies where we sold bedding and we had store managers that were allowed, quote unquote, from the company to take bedding that was over a year old that we hadn't sold yet. And they were allowed to sell it to employees at 80% off to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And the stipulation was, get ready, the bedding had to be unraveled and out of the packaging. Okay. So stuff that was still in the package in a year old, we could still sell that at full price. Okay. Okay. But if it was out of the package, right? Because yeah, it, yeah. when you work in a high-end place, you can't just wrap it with a rope and throw it on the sales floor. It's got to be perfectly folded with the machine with yeah. the cardboard inside separating it, mm-hmm. right? So I had bosses in that particular situation who would say at the end of the night, we have all this bedding, this old bedding. We're never going to sell it at full price. Nobody wants to buy it because we had the clientele that was always looking for the new stuff. Mm-hmm. So my bosses would take it out of the packaging and then sell it to us for 80%. So these are situations where it's the, the boss or management that are really committing the quote unquote. Right. And the justification there for them mm-hmm. is avoiding the amount of payroll hours you have to use to have someone sit in the stock room. And sometimes it's two people that have to process all this. Yeah. So were there any instances, and if you don't want to mention, you don't have to, but were there any instances while you were working, regardless mm-hmm. of where you stole when I worked there? No, just in general. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, when we worked in retail, sure, absolutely. I don't mean like sticking stuff up your shirt, but like, honestly, like the biggest culprit was always the damage bins. Mm. I mean, even if we weren't, even if our bosses didn't tell us to take it, mm-hmm. there were, there were certainly times where um, people I worked with, myself included, where it was like, I don't know, like, cologne samples mm-hmm. the bottle was like a little bit used but it was in the damage bin and those things had to be thrown in the garbage and i was like garbage no way and i would take it yeah i've never understood that like why why they don't 
give those you're talking about like the testers right yeah yeah well you know why here's the reason because we live in a society at least in america i can speak for this we live in a society that when you have one two or sake of argument 10 people commit some sort of fraudulent activity with something what typically happens is everybody else gets punished for what they did yeah. wrong. So the example I give you is, and this is true with people who work, I knew people who worked in cosmetic companies in like the 80s and 90s, who were like, oh, if the label was a little off, if the cap was a little broken, you obviously couldn't send, sell it to a department store, but they would let employees buy it yeah. for like half price. Mm -hmm. But what they started to see was people would go to like the modern day, it's eBay. Mm -hmm. But back then it was like flea markets. Yeah. It was garage sales, like mar market sales, not necessarily garage sales, like at home, but like actual like real flea markets. Yeah. Yeah. And people would bring boxes and boxes and boxes of cosmetics mm -hmm. because they worked for the company. Yeah. And maybe they themselves weren't standing out there, but they would give those boxes to like a family member and tell them, let's rent a table and you can sell all the stuff. We'll make money. Yeah. So maybe something that cost them a couple of bucks, they're selling for more, yeah. even if the label's damaged because it's still brand new. Yeah. So then companies pick up on that and then they go, nope, no more. Yeah. We're not selling it half price no more because see what happens now we got to damage it yeah i will i will say that it's it's definitely like based on my experience mm -hmm. it was definitely easier to boost mm -hmm. steel back back when we were younger mm -hmm. than it was than it is today but you know like i work i've worked in retail in my 30s and 40s mm -hmm. and I still see people doing it, but mm -hmm. I recognize that, you know, I, I recognize those individuals and their behavior and whatnot, but they're, they also are trying to do stuff that there, there would be no way that I would attempt. Oh yeah. Like, okay. So for example, I'm just going to trace back starting from like my first job, uh, as a teenager, I worked in a library. Mm -hmm. and you know there were times where i've taken a couple of books here and there mm -hmm. there was no security tags there was nothing like there, there was no um you know those like sensors what, what do you call it those um things that are at the door mm -hmm. you know when you walk through them it beeps like mm -hmm. none of the books had those things mm -hmm. And I'm a, I imagine that it's different now. The, the books are somehow tagged with some, some kind of security measure that, you know, if you try to leave the, the library with, with one of those books, you're going to, the alarms are going to go off, mm -hmm. you know? So it was definitely, now I, I want to say, and I've already said this, I am not proud <laughs> whatsoever of any of the things. I mean, you know, just so we don't have to start just so we don't have to keep repeating this, let's yeah. say it. Yeah. We're not proud of this stuff, but no. when people listening are going to want to point fingers or 
kind of feel like, oh, well, I never did that. Like, I got a couple of stories I'm going to share down the road mm-hmm. that are going to address that. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's the reason why we're sharing this is that we're just, we're just sharing our experience of how that behavior or, or that experience shaped who we are today and how we are able to recognize certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Who knows? Sometimes ignorance is bliss because Lord knows I'll come across people that I've worked with who are oblivious to certain behaviors in, in the store, for example, oh, yeah. from, from people. And I will say this person is trying to do something right now. Mm-hmm. I know it. And it's not that I'm paranoid. I, it's not that I'm like hyper, you know, whatever, because of the way they're behaving, I know for a fact that this is what they're planning on doing, right? Um, yeah, 100%. So yeah, the, the, things like that, where, where I was able to take a couple of books here and there. I, don't, I can't say how many I've, I've taken. Um, it, it, you know, it was a handful or two. <laughs> um, and then... You know, it wasn't until I lived in New York and the shoe store that I worked in, um, because of the way that store was and and how simple, really, it was to take things mm-hmm. because there was no um, real sense of inventory. There was no sense of, sec- you know, security of anything. I took quite a few pairs of shoes as well. So now here's my question. Did you take these shoes because you wanted them? Yes. Like you were just looking at these shoes and you were like, oh, I like these shoes. I'm oh yeah. This had nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to take them and then sell them. No, my, my, my um, history or my experience with theft or shoplifting was purely because I wanted these items. Mm-hmm. you know and it was because i didn't have the money to spend on these items and i just wanted them mm-hmm. so how did you take them like what was your process of taking them did you put them in a bag did you take the box too take them and put them in a bag the box so for the shoes i don't think i took boxes uh, unless it was a small enough box I'm just trying to think because I don't recall having boxes when I was, when I come back to the apartment, like mm-hmm. these were, and now I'm, I'm not saying that I stole like dozens of shoes. I think probably I, I stole maybe two or three pairs max, you know? Um, but I also purchased from there too. You know, I did buy a pair, um, but yeah, I, I, I did steal a couple yeah you know because it was very easy there like i said there was no tags no security it was small oftentimes i would be the only one there uh some closings you know or actually no i never closed at the end of my shift you know i would just leave there was no checking of bags or anything like that Mm -hmm. so it was an opportunity yeah and i took it it yeah. sounds it sounds shitty, but that's what it was. Yeah, 
you know? But the point is, I mean, it's less about what we did <clears throat> and how we did it. I mean, I asked you the question because I was curious, but I think it's more about us talking about how different it is now, because like what you brought up about being able to see that behavior, yeah, because you yourself knew what that vibe was, yeah, you know, and for me, there's a number of times I'm in a store, like in a department store, mm-hmm. and I'll see, like, I'll walk down an aisle or something, and somebody will be like doing something, and then they'll just stop. Oh, yeah, and their behavior is just so like, and have you ever ratted them out? No. I have. No. I no. have. Yeah, I wouldn't. I have. And that's that's why I've, there's that complete 180, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, I, I've done that. And now I've gone to, I don't want to say from one extreme to another, but because I recognize that behavior, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm almost, almost like this vigilante mm-hmm. <laughs> where I want to prevent that because it's shitty. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I think things are very different, you know, for us. Yeah. Uh, we are, you know, we are different. I think for me too, I don't think about it. You know, like, I don't think about it anymore. Like, it's, I don't go to a store and go, oh, it'd be easy to take this. Like, it's, I think it's a different thought process, Mm -hmm. you know? And there was something badass about it. There was something, um, I don't know, something that was, like, there was a high to it almost. Yeah. You know, and also, like, you know, us, when we were younger, there was bragging rights, too. Yeah. Being able to tell somebody like your friend, like, oh my God, you have no idea how much I took. Well, you're going to have to tell the audience about our little venture. Which one? The Oshing. I don't know if I want to go into those details. No? No, because it's given people too much of our, our secret, uh, our secret way of getting away with stuff. Yeah, but it's not something that could be done now. Yeah, it can. Okay, but what, what, what's going to happen? No, I'm not saying anything's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, it's just, you know. I mean, first of all, that whole, that whole thing was completely insane. And I don't even think that I can repeat it in four different languages that people would even understand. I think you can. I don't even understand it. What do you mean? maybe you explain it i don't know i don't i don't i don't know i don't know if it makes any sense to me at this moment so i'm just wondering if it makes sense to anybody else maybe if you tell it it'll make sense what (laughs) you don't want to talk about it do you tell me we have to now i can edit this out no 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 no. we don't edit anything out you know that (laughs) That's not no, but I, if you're not comfortable talking about no, this. No, it's not about comfortable. It's just a matter of like, I don't, start start telling the story and I'll see if it makes sense. Because to me, it's like, this you know, is, you, this is your baby though. You Didn't you create this? Yes, but for <laughs> me to, exp- what, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. For me to explain it to myself in my head, it's like when you, you always squawk, what do you say? 
I can't believe we, I don't even know what we were thinking. Like, that's the okay. whole thing. Like, well, we'll get into think? the whole, yeah, we'll get into the whole, like, what the hell we were thinking, if we can, after the fact. Okay, but, so where do, you, where do we start with this? So let, let's just talk about what oshing is on a basic level. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I don't know how this term came about, but it somehow became synonymous with this act. Uh-huh. And the act of oshing is basically okay. taking a barcode of an item Mm-hmm. that is of a lesser value mm-hmm. and placing it on an item of a higher value and when the item is scanned at the register that lesser value is the one that's being charged now there's many little factors to consider and also it's how these barcodes are are kind of created and what they say when they're being scanned. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like just to give you an example, on that notorious day. Yes. <laughs> now I again I apologize because my memory is shit. What store was it? Walmart. Walmart. Like, and we're talking old school Walmart. We're talking about late. 90s mid to late 90s walmart for sure okay my recollection okay what some of the things that i did was when you when i went to the arts and craft department you can buy these sheets of felt fabric it was usually like an eight by ten size and the barcode, just from what we, from what I remembered, when you scan the barcode, all it would say on the register is the color. So it would be blue, purple, green, no, indi- no other indication of what the item is. Right. Okay. So I, for me, what I did was I would take a couple of those barcodes because you know they're just stickers and it's on felt it doesn't really stick hard and i placed them on top of barcodes for towels mm-hmm. and at the time martha stewart had towels at walmart so i took purple felt barcodes <laughs> purple and blue actually and put them on purple and blue mm-hmm. towels Now, there was a whole science, a psychological basis on who we would choose as the cashier. Mm -hmm. And you typically aim for someone who was young. Yes. Who seemed as if they didn't care. Yes. And someone who you know could be easily distracted. Exactly. And that's so, where you come in because you were, you are the master of that. I you am. truly are the master of that. Yeah. But before we get into that, going back to the whole scanning of items. So now you've got all of these things. And if you're, 
clever and strategic enough, the things that you've, the barcodes that you've used to replace the items that you want are, are going to somehow correspond to the item in some way. It needs to appear somewhat believable. And we'll talk well, about- and, and you say that in theory. Yes, because we will mention some of the boosty ass shit that happened that day. Anyway. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like this story like you know we talked about that whole legacy and that gerard and bobby recording like this is on you. another level in terms of unbelievability unbelievability anyway so you select the cashier and they begin scanning now how much is a felt sheet what 65 cents 75 cents if if that's an overpriced piece of felt shit so she's scanning she's scanning she's scanning like six eight towel i don't think i took that many but maybe like four or five towels through and it's barely reached five (laughs) dollars right but she's not paying attention but here's the thing once again, let's go back to the person ringing you up. Exactly. Right? You've got a young person. Now, at the time, we were in our 20s. Mm-hmm. The, uh, person work- the, person- the person working. No, no, no. We were in our 20s, for sure. If it was the late 90s, we were definitely in our 20s. Yeah, in 1920. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, we were yeah. in our 20s, for yeah. sure. I mean, like, I was I was 19 and, you know, I don't know, 94. 90, 94, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So 95, it, I mean, and you know, we honestly, this, like, if I have to put a number on it, it definitely was like 96, 97. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Now at the time, I don't know if the policy changed, but at Walmart, especially they used to hire at 16. Mm. So there were people who used to work at the register that were like 16, maybe 17 years old. Yeah. Now when you're a 16, 17 year old, you live with your parents. You don't know what towels cost. No, you're absolutely clueless to that fact. You see, you scan a blue towel, you see blue on your register. That's all that needs to be. That's like, even if they were looking because a lot exactly. of them, and this is pre-cell phone, yep. like, but they were always distracted. There was something that, you know, anyway. They worked like, in fucking Walmart. What, like, they didn't care. They don't give a shit. So anyway, th- this this happened, and I remember. I think you were with me at the same time, or I may have, maybe after I finished my sale, I swung around to where you were. And this is this is where Fran's skill shines. The ability that he has to charm, finesse, chat up the person behind the register, maybe even like compliment and flatter, boost their ego in some way that they intended (laughs) boost (laughs) that they are beyond oblivious to the Michigas that they are doing Mm -hmm. on our behalf right now. Yeah. But see, to your point, even if you are not looking at the individual items in which are beeping 
you, you as a person at the register now have bagged six large bags for someone and put it in their cart and the total is 1275 like it is ridiculous what we so were able to walk out of that store with well you loved her as one of our reoccurring guests well now she has a weekly spot with us make sure you tune in every friday for slayer weekend with Akila right here on the How You Feeling podcast. There was someone who went with me one day, Mm. safe to say, and they didn't believe that this could happen. Mm. So to counter your thought about the felt, this individual did it with CDs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's where you start getting greedy. So this person did it with CDs. Little to my knowledge, <laughs> did they do this with CDs? Because I was not in on the actual peel and stick i wasn't with they were doing this because they literally heard oh stickers stickers and if it wasn't felt stickers they found something else that was like more expensive but for people listening in 1997 the average cd was seven dollars yeah eight dollars i'll even dare say ten dollars yeah okay but this person use stickers that got each CD for a dollar or less. Hmm. So they went to someone who was young, but probably didn't care. Yeah. And they left with a ton of things. And the person behind the register didn't even pay attention. No. You know, the only reason why I said, I don't know how, because I don't care. This happened a long time ago. It, it just, I don't know if people can understand who haven't done this before. How, first of all, number one, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Because scary. it requires work. Yeah. You know, like honestly, on some levels, it's easier to just stick something in your jacket and leave. Yeah. Okay. If you didn't know that the alarm would go off, like if there was no alarm, it's easier to just stick something in your bag or your shirt and walk out. This actually was like a two-step challenge. Yeah, we are fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) If only everyone can see friend laughing. This is a two-step challenge. (laughs) Number one, you've got to Peel and, you know, peel and stick. Okay. You got to find a spot in the store to do that. Yeah. Or no one's going to see you. Exactly. Then you've got to walk to the register and actually get past the person at the register, hoping that they don't know it's like being at customs. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. Here's number three that wasn't introduced till later. Yeah. Walmart has receipt checkers now when you leave. Now, yes. Well, it depends yeah. on the area. Yeah. 
but also remember for people listening back then walmart was very new for this area of the country Mm. we didn't have walmarts in new jersey until the 90s Mm. we didn't have walmart walmart wasn't around here you know now it's so crazy because they're everywhere yeah you know but that was a very you know crazy time but you also have to remember here is another thing unlike other people we knew (laughs) you and i whenever we did something dishonest it was because we were taking something we wanted yeah okay that doesn't justify it no no i'm not saying oh we were better than them but We knew people legitimately who took just to take. Yeah. Okay. Like, what are you going to do with that? Who cares? I stole it. Like that was their mentality. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, that day where it got out of hand. It wasn't us. No, it was them trying they pushed it too far with what they were trying to take. Okay, so let me just add this, okay? To, to corroborate your story. Yeah. What you mean that they went too far for people listening was you heard this little trick with stickers, mm-hmm. swapping stickers. Yeah. One of the individuals that was with us was trying to take a floor lamp that was in a box and used a sticker on it that maybe designated the floor lamp, even in the nineties, wouldn't have been this cheap. Maybe it was $4. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And the person at the register rang it and saw $4 and whoever they went to realized there's no way this lamp is $4. Mm. So they ended up, the person that we knew all i remember was waiting for them like we were out like near the doors and i could hear them saying well i want to see a manager like instead of aborting <laughs> they pushed it i mean really <laughs> <laughs> i mean you <sighs> That's amateur hour. Right? You just you just abort. You did something so wrong. And now you're going to fight for it? Abort. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I use my powers for good and not for evil. Same. I am that character from a Marvel film, okay, that is brought up into an evil world <laughs> and it's supposed to be villain a villain yeah and instead uses those manipulative characteristics to help people mm. because i do it every day yeah when parents are too afraid to go against the state for something because something's owed to their kids but they're not pushing i'm the one like you've read some of my emails I send an email to someone and I'm like, shake, 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 shake. And I get what I'm supposed to get because 
I'm scary, but I'm still doing the right thing. Where do and you that's, think, that's the thing. Yeah. Where do you think those manipulative skills come from with you? I don't know where, I, I can't say what I think. I can only tell you what I know, mm. right? As a kid, I was manipulated by a lot of people. I was lied to from a lot of people, okay? I was bullied. I was, there was a whole period in my life, like even teens, 20s, people who didn't know me, where I was totally, I was cowardly. And I just realized like I was slowly sinking. Like it was the feeling of, of quicksand. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, I get it. If you survive, and even if it's not always doing it the right way, the honest way, in order to survive, you got to figure this out. That is, that is such a like aha moment for me because that is exactly what I experienced as mm-hmm. younger, where I had quote unquote friends who manipulated me. Mm-hmm and treated me like shit Mm -hmm. and i've been bullied as well Mm -hmm. and it 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 is 100 a survival tactic Mm -hmm. how are you going to survive in this world well you got to get thicker skin and you got to play like the players Mm -hmm. of course and i had in middle school i will never forget i think i was in the seventh grade the seventh grade, maybe. And I remember I was friends with three, three boys and I was good friends with them. And I don't know to this day what happened, but they turned on me Mm. and they were like, you can't sit with us. You can't eat lunch with us. Didn't know what I did. Okay. And they stood there and, you know, and guys, if your kids are in the room, I'm going to share a story that's really offensive. So they were calling me a fat fuck. They were my friends, right? And then I started at the time, I didn't know what it was, but I started to develop really bad anxiety. Mm. And that's the worst thing to have in the 80s with parents of that time, because they just looked at you and said, What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Oh, you just don't want to go to school. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. No, 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 no. You go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, the guidance counselor was involved who didn't do anything because he told me, which I famously have said on the show before, because, you know, me and you both are like, go to hell, the guidance counselors. Yeah. Guidance counselor says to me, you know, sometimes bullying is good because it makes you become stronger. It builds you know, character. <laughs> And it was a horrible, that was a horrible piece of advice, but you know what, there was some, there was a gem in that mm. because <clears throat> within that year, not just once, but twice, I was, and I think these were really the breaking points for me. I was from one of my friends, my friends, mm-hmm. I was crossing the street, leaving school and they came out in front of me my friends, all three of them. And one of them just started punching me. Yeah. Hard. My My friend. Wow. Okay. 
And I was so in shock, I didn't defend myself. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe a few months later, got off the bus by my house. I was a block from my house. Mm -hmm. Two kids that were friends with my ex-friend got off the bus and did the same thing to me. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. But God forgive me for saying this. One of the kids who did that to me, who followed me off the bus, the one who was the kid, mm. he was like the badass in school. Yeah. He died in a horrible car accident. Really? Horrible car accident. It happened when we were in high school. Because oh, so he, he was, he so was, he was in young. A, he, was, he was in a year. He was a year older than us. So when we were in high school, it was during summer. He was racing his car. He had gotten a new car. He was like 17, 18 years old, racing and just totally wrecked, like hard, like beyond recognition. Wow. That's sad. That's I'm a little, I'm a little witchy, but I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, but but I have to tell you, um, I had those experiences. Yeah. Okay. And this is why like people, people would like to paint me as this like ballsy a-hole. And I've been like this my whole life. No, mm. no. I got here because I had to. Yeah. Cause I had to, Yeah. you know, and, and once you figure out how stupid people are, Okay. Mm -hmm. When you figure out how stupid some people are, you start to figure out how to be manipulative because it's easy. Yep. You start to use what you, what you've got. I mean, you and I talk about these con shows all the time. Yeah. When you go down deep into these people's lives, I'm not making excuses for them, mm -hmm. but there's probably a moment in their life that was like, all right, enough is enough. Well, yeah. And like, you know, we had this brief chat about that whole con documentary that we saw and we were specifically talking about the victims and how it's so easy to victim blame. Like, you know, you and I, we look at these scenarios and we're like, how could they be so stupid? How could they do this? And how could they do that? Mm -hmm. And, and maybe it's a case of if you've never been a victim of anything, if you've never experienced um, shittiness or dishonesty from people, mm -hmm. you don't know to look for it, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. But who knows? Maybe these people who, who are the con artists, maybe they're so good at what they do, mm -hmm. so good at what, manipulating that they can charm even people like you and i mm -hmm. yeah oh i mean people who know me say it all the time honestly if i wanted to use my powers for evil i would be a fantastic con artist and the one thing that i am better at than a lot of these people in these documentaries is i would know when to say when mm. because it's like when you read about bank robbers Mm -hmm. Why do bank robbers get caught? Because 95% of the time they try robbing the bank again. Yeah. It's greed. And the people who rob once and get out, get out. 
greed and ego. And we, yeah. and I mentioned that. And, and, you know, for me, I'd be like, you know, once you get that million dollars or that whatever from someone get out, yeah, get but out. Going back to that whole discussion, when we were talking about oshing, it's, there's a thrill there's a high that you experience mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they're chasing. It's like the lamp story. Yeah. You don't get a floor lamp. Fucking hell, man. You get Martha Stewart towels and you get out. <laughs> I, I still can't believe that that, that was something that we, we did. You know, here's the thing, you know, there was this sort of, rebellious streak that we all had mm -hmm. you know i also think generally when i speak to gen xers especially we all kind of had this middle finger mentality like screw you screw you mm. you know like i can do whatever i want you know type of thing and it was always like us against the man you know like <laughs> you suck that's how expensive it is screw you i'm taking it yeah like that was the mentality, you know, I'm not saying that it's right. Yeah. Listen, very, very I, interesting stuff. I, I don't know what we even talked about today. We talked about our shady past, but how it has shaped us in who we are today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not proud of the things I did. I know why I did them. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. And I, and I will say there were times where when I was younger and I worked for like someone who didn't treat me well, it would fuel the fire, mm. you know, absolutely. I've, never had, I've never had that where I was wronged by an employer and therefore I needed like retribution or of some kind. No, yeah, that I didn't do. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It's all good. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Same. Uh, just remember um, <clears throat> all of this in this episode, everything we talked about was true, except for the parts that we made up. Exactly. Yeah. We just have, have to say that as a disclaimer, a legal disclaimer. Yes. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everyone. Night. Thank you.